welcome to Into the Aether, it's an audio log you find that gives you contextual awareness of the environment that you're traversing. Week three, the experiments are going well, but I'm wondering <laughs> why they're uh, getting so angry. And I wonder what this rash in my dreams is about. <laughs> Entry number five, what's happening to me? I'm a spider. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just love any Resident Evil. Like I know this is like made fun of to death, but any Resident Evil entry that's like day one. I really trust Umbrella Corporation. It's like, what yeah. are you doing? That was your first mistake. <laughs> Trusting like you know the more evil Halliburton. Yeah, I love. Yeah. Oh wait, also I'm Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Happy Halloween. This is the Halloween episode. This is the Halloween episode. Can we talk about how spooky it is that game developers want us to believe that someone is walking around with a giant gramophone recording all of their thoughts and then leaving them on the piano at a party? <laughs> yeah, that's true. There really isn't like any kind of subtle steampunk recording devices. I have I have a recording device in my pocket that I could use to record voice memos at any moment and I don't. Yeah. I just don't do, do you it. record journal entries next to like your blood soaked research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like a, a, a child's doll in a cage. <laughs> to whomever may find this yeah. recording. I can't believe I trusted Umbrella Corporation. What are you doing? Stop. <laughs> I don't know. Work for Monsanto or something. There's other evil chemistry jobs you can get that don't involve zombies. We have not been approved for human testing, so I will try it on my own veins. I find myself growing closer to the subjects. They see me as their king. The power is enchanting. Um. Anyway, this is the spooky episode. If you can tell, this is the spooky episode. Yeah. If you, and actually, Brendan, you have a bit of a cloak on right now. I, yeah. I wasn't going to ask you about it, but <laughs> it's uh, it's cold in my apartment. I refuse to turn the heat on, and I I've, I've draped a a large blanket over myself, which I like it. Gives me a cloaked a cloaked visage. It's very Qui Gon Jinn of you. <laughs> <laughs> I you know it's funny. I have to go to a party. It's not a Halloween party, which is very important to note. It is a couple weeks into November, but everybody has to show up dressed as a wizard, and I am really thinking of showing up as a Jedi. You should. Space wizards. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And yeah. also, the thing is, Halloween is, what, a Wednesday this year? It's yeah. on a Wednesday. Right. So, like, this weekend was the big Halloween party weekend, but there's going to be, like, at least six Halloween parties next weekend. They yeah. will be the November 1st Halloween party, so right. good luck. Yeah. But they're going to happen. Absolutely. So, yeah. Anywho. You want to talk Anywho. about spooky games? Yeah, I want to talk I about some spooky games. One that you want to talk about. I had one that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, and I would like to hear about yours first because I have never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, point taken. Um, so uh, I've mentioned before that, and I think this goes for both of us that we're not like really big horror video game fans. Um, we're not that like we don't necessarily dis we don't dislike horror, but like I'm not playing a bunch of like. Yeah, games that are like super graphic or super scary. I don't seek um, out every horror game that comes out. Yeah, so most of the games that I've recommended so far in this spooky segment have been like very like spooky or in the realm of like Stranger Things, paranormal, yeah. um, kind of stuff. This game that I'm about to recommend is actually scary. Mm. Yeah, so if you want to be like actually disturbed and and frightened, um, which I am rarely in the mood for, but I have played this game and I had had that experience with it and it's called Yumi Nikki, which is, I think it's a direct 
directly translated to me in dream journal uh from japanese or oh. dream diary yeah um i actually think i not too long ago i think early this year either a different developer or the same developer remade the game in 3d i don't know anything about that version oh. um but the version i played was released in 2004 like on rpg maker so this is like in the same realm as cave story of like really early indie games like before there was really like a market for it yeah the same mutual friend of ours who started listening to music on vinyl before it got popular also introduced me to this game <laughs> chris if you're listening you're very cool the game you play this girl who you, you don't, don't really know anything about her but she's just in her like apartment building um you're in her room and the graphics are very earthbound e like yeah. earthbound or like uh pokemon ruby sapphire i'm looking at it right now it definitely has yeah. shades of earthbound yeah, so the only thing you could do, you're in your room, and if you try to walk out the front door, your character shakes her head no. Um, so that's not an option. Okay. Uh, if you go outside, you have a balcony. There's nothing to do there. Um, if you go on your computer, you can play like a, like a mini game of like this like old school game she has on her computer. I love when games do that. Yeah. Also, shout out to An the first Animal Crossing for having like full Nintendo games just in the game. Yeah, can you believe they got away with that? Yeah, incredible. It's amazing. Um, also, if, uh, just while I'm thinking about it, Celeste has a smaller version of Celeste in it. Mm. You can like find like an attic that has like an old broken down fake oh, game really? system that has a small Celeste in it. Yeah, <laughs> I got to play that. But basically, you're you're not really given any options. The only thing to do is to go to sleep. So if you go into your bed, okay, a count a countdown starts three, two, one, and then you wake up, but really creepy atonal music has started playing mm. um and if you, now you can actually leave your room and if you go out the door you enter a very strange like hub world that has like kind of cryptic almost mayan symbols everywhere yeah. and a bunch of doors each door leads to a different world and they all kind of have a different vibe so like one is just very snowy um one is full of weird symbols there's no real floor it's just like tiled symbols mm -hmm. um one is just eyes very weird very out there yeah and what i love about the game and i'll get more into specifics it's, it sounds very cryptic and it is but what i love about it is that it's one of the few pieces of media that explores dreams and treats them like dreams like so often do i think when we explore dreams especially in video games they're still too concrete they're yeah, still they're too very like, literal yeah you know you're in the dream like i am a figure from your past you know like, right as much as i love mass effect the dream sequences in that game are like bogus it's just like <laughs> yeah. hello shepherd i am the ghost that haunts you it's like, this is just yeah um but it's a hard thing to capture because dreams are so ethereal and loosely constructed and and by the time we try to register them with our our conscious mind we often forget what happened exactly right so playing this game you're just walking around and often environments will like loop and you don't really have any clear sense of direction mm. it's very atmospheric and it's definitely a game that someone might tap out of early because you're like what do i do because you're just walking around these creepy areas right most of the time there's really nothing of interest to find and that's what makes it so special when suddenly something happens so I remember there was one segment where I was walking right. I was like, I'm just going to choose one concrete direction to go in. And I kept going right. And the map kept kind of looping. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I went left. And then the music changed. 
and like I was suddenly in a hallway and oh. I was like, yeah. So it's like those little moments are so unnerving and you really have to play it to experience it. Like, Oh my God, wait, what's different all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. The game is anchored by the only real objective. And this is not told to you at all, but as you play it, you can kind of put things together. Your only real objective is to find certain powers and the powers are pretty also like loosely defined. So one is just like one is a bike, which it helps you go faster. One is a, a dagger, which you can use to attack enemies, but there aren't really enemies in a traditional sense. Nothing is trying to harm you, really. Right. There are enemies that if they touch you, will put you into an area that you can't get out of and all you can do is wake up. But that's really the only main threat. So the dagger is more just to interact with things and like what would happen if I if I used it on this object or this creature or whatever. Then there's some really weird ones like this one that just makes your head look like poop. Like that's one of them. Okay. Good. So some of them have a direct purpose and some of them are just weird. But your main goal is to find all those powers. Um, And your other goal is to come across certain events in the game. And these are haunting these 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 events any any, if you look at any video of the game it's usually like one of these things so Mm. famously uh spoiler here if you want to go in blind i'd recommend it there aren't spoilers really in a story sense because everything is so up to interpretation yeah but famously there's a scene where uh if you're in the snowy area you find this house and it's rare to find something that concrete, so of course you're drawn to it. Right. And you go inside, and there's a girl inside who has a seemingly normal room, and you can't really interact with her if you shut the lights off. You know, you can shut the lights on and off, and usually nothing happens. But there is like a one out of like 80 chance that if you turn the lights off, she turns into this weird face and starts screaming, okay. and you can't leave the room. And then if you... If you interact with her face, you're transported to a new area. And it's just like so weird. So that's one of the events that but you it, have. But to it's see. a one in eighty chance. So like seventy-nine people will not see that happen. <laughs> I mean, I guess what you could do is you can keep I don't know the exact numbers. And this sounds now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like, oh, that sounds fun. Like I've I nothing happens then when something does happen, there's like a one out of X chance of it happening. But I don't know. It's something about that makes it even more dreamlike where yeah. um, you might come back to a place and have a different thing happen. Um, at this point, the game has been out long enough that people have kind of chronicled what the events are and how to trigger them and such. Right. That feels like not the way to play it, though. No, not at all. I think the way to play it, I honestly even object to the idea of having objectives because I think that that game really shines at just like exploring this girl's mind. Right. And kind of filling in the blanks yourself. Um, I think that there is some imagery in the game that does suggest certain things. Uh, I've seen a lot of wild theories online that I usually ignore because I just I like the mystery, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it's free on Steam. I think uh, you can now buy the 3D one, which, again, I know nothing about. So I don't know. I'll I'll check out the 3D one maybe eventually, but I'm partial to the original one. Uh, It's hard to kind of recreate that sort of experience. And I think it being just this random game on RPG maker almost makes it scarier. Yeah. That someone just like use this seemingly benign tool to make this like terrifying dreamscape. So yeah, I, I've never played a game like it. Uh, there is, I think 
Because I know uh, Toby Fox, who made Undertale, was big into like the Earthbound like modding scene right. um, before he made Undertale. And there's a pretty big intersection between Earthbound fans and Yumi Nikki fans because it shares a lot of similarities graphically. And there's even a part of Yumi Nikki where like you look tiny on the world map, which is a throwback to Earthbound in one of the areas. Yeah. So I think that there are some like nods to Yumi Nikki in Undertale when you're in uh, the true laboratory for the pacifist run where there's all those weird amalgamations. Mm. Um, that's a very Yumi Nikki kind of vibe. But otherwise, I haven't really heard much about this game other than from my one friend who showed me it. And I just felt the need to like, if we're talking about scary games, I don't think I've played a game that has like unsettled me as much as as Yumi Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. Is it seems like it's the kind of game that has stuck with you for a long like when did you play it uh i played it i think not too long i mean it came out 2004 i remember playing it like when i was 18 um so like yeah. a couple years after it came out right and i haven't played it since i don't have it <laughs> it's, it's almost like that's why i'm like wow there's a 3d one that feels too official like i feel like this game you have to download by accident be like what is this <laughs> yeah yeah um, Excuse, i came to limewire to download numb by lincoln park <laughs> I got you mean Nikki. Nikki.exe. Yeah, it's uh it's really haunting. Um I will say this is a spoiler, so skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this, but the only thing I don't like about the game is the ending. I think the ending is is really bad and just like <laughs> okay. sad without being meaningful really without earning it yeah so basically it ends if you do all if you look at all the events and get all the powers you can then trigger an event on the balcony where she just jumps off and that's how the game ends oh and and it just sort of i mean if that's the ending they envision that's the ending they envision but it just it it feels like such a heavy thing to have the game end on right and, but and to also feel a bit like a cop-out mm. you know i i I uh, I also think it kind of creates a gross message where it's like, I mean, I know it's a horror game and maybe I'm a bit too like inexperienced with horror to kind of digest an ending like that. But for a game that's all about exploring your unconscious to then be like, well, all it's left to do is give up. Right. Um, yeah. It's a bit, you know, it's and, and I'm not, I mean, again, if that's if that's sort of the the tone they wanted to take and that's. Because you know, we don't really get anything about the character other than her dreams. So, like, it just felt a little concrete for a game that's so mysterious. Right. Um, yeah. I, if, so. they're, if they're not going to give you any thematic reason for it, you know, if, if all of the dreams are up for interpretation and none of those interpretations lead to that conclusion, then the conclusion is just really there. Like, the only thing that you can really assume is that it's there for shock value, which in, that makes it bad. <laughs> Yeah, Without I agree. It almost, it, this is this is you know coming from someone with no experience. I, I had not heard of this game until like last week. So yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think I'm not alone in, in really disliking the ending. I just think it's it's uh, you know it's it's really sad. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, was that what I was working towards? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why I think it's better just to experience the game's like environments and and explore. So yeah, that that's it, it. Does kind of throw a, a wet towel over like my appreciation of the game for it to end like that. Yeah. Um. But I would still recommend it if you want something that's like very very surreal. Um. And is free. So there's that too. Yeah. I don't know how the the 3D one maybe changes that. I'm not sure. Um. That actually that does make me want to check it out if there is a change to the ending. But yeah. Cool. You mean Nikki? You mean Nikki? Y U M E space n-i-k 
K-I. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. For, for those looking for it. No, Yumi Nikki sounds cool. I, I uh, don't know if I have a device that can run it, unfortunately, but yeah, if yeah. I did, I would probably play it today because that sounds awesome. And it yeah, is the season. A, it's a fun game, too, to play with. Uh, it sounds weird to say this. It is fun to play with friends to have like a room full of people just like oh, watching sure. this. And uh, yeah, I think going in blind and and not forcing yourself to do the objectives is the way to do it. Um, mm. Just like a dream, you know, let it let it just happen and yeah. see what happens. Do you think for people who are curious about it and are going to check it out now, it is OK to just like leave whenever you want with that game and just say, like, actually, that's as much of this game as I Need. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I, I don't think it's worth beating it in the traditional sense. Yeah. I actually don't think I think I feel like and that's sort of the tension I have with the ending for many reasons. I had tension with that ending, but um, the main one is that I feel like it was sort of thrown in because they had to have a quote unquote end to a game, you know? Right. Um, whereas like, you know, especially with dreams, they're not as they're they're not so tangible to like end in that way right. and the whole game captures that very well where like even if you even if there's nothing else to do in an area sometimes all you can do to get out is wake up um mm. you pinch yourself and you wake up yeah and in this case pinching yourself is hitting the close button i think so yeah. yeah yeah it's so creepy it's a really scary game <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> yeah so play that if you want to get real scared on halloween yeah i'm into it um, I also want to recommend a scary game, one that Please. I played uh, a couple of years ago and has stuck with me and I think about constantly. It is called Soma, S-O-M-A. Uh, it is by the team that made the Amnesia games, Dark Descent, uh, for those of you who probably saw it played, I imagine, on like YouTube, you know, Twitch streamers who just like would stream scary games because that was yeah. like a thing that every Twitch streamer did for a while. Um, yeah. They then went on to make Soma, which to me is like head and shoulders above the Amnesia games, just in terms of what it sets out to accomplish and what it actually accomplishes. Talk about a game with a bad ending. Soma to me is like the perfect ending for a game because I literally have not stopped thinking about it since it came out. Um, oh, that's awesome. It is. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away because a lot of the game lives and dies by its story which i think is is wonderful considering like amnesia you're just there to get chased around by like pig people you know like that's like <laughs> sign me up that's like the extent of that game um soma is interesting because it, it starts <laughs> off with uh pig people and just is pig people the whole time and there's nothing but pig people um no soma soma starts with uh you basically signing up for like an experimental medical procedure uh mm. some stuff that happens with your brain and um you sit in this sketchy room and uh, suddenly you're transported and you are you wake up in like an undersea city. Not I mean, Rapture is is a really is like as far from this as you can get. It's basically like what if you took the International Space Station, like put it underwater? That's what this is. Gotcha. Um, so it's very much like dark sci fi corridors, like mm. corrupted with weird molds and stuff. And uh, you are just kind of exploring this space trying to figure out where you are how you got there how to get out and learning more and more about what earth is like uh at this point in this place um i don't want to say too much more but it has the classic amnesia stuff where there's like freaky creatures wandering around 
that you have to avoid eye contact with and like escape from if they chase you and things like that. Like it has all that stuff in there. But the real crux of it, the real horror to me is the actual story itself, mm. the story they're telling and the themes and the ideas that it, that it is exploring are scary in themselves and have strangely real world implications and ends up being to me one of my favorite sci-fi stories i've ever heard like that's really cool so like the storytelling is so strong and and the way it explores um the way it explores its sci-fi elements and grounds them in gameplay mechanics and takes like asks you to question other games that don't have the same narrative reason for you doing things that you do in everyday games. I'm again, trying to obfuscate this and make it like yeah, as spoiler yeah. free as possible. Um, but it, it does a very good job of scaring you via like, Oh, I died and now I respawned. What does that mean for me? You know, like things like that. Right. Whereas like in a game like Bioshock, they just have the Vita chamber and you just, do you get pooped back out into the world and now you get to explore and get drilled in the face by a big daddy again. <laughs> <laughs> let's see pig people or uh, drill the face what do I want? <laughs> let's see so soma explores that idea in a very dark tangible way that like has continued to fuck with me for like three years that's amazing i honestly uh talk about a game that uses like game mechanics to tell a story like to to or I should say, use your expectation and your comfort with a game having certain mechanics yeah. and then twisting that. The the obvious example there is Undertale, where like I haven't oh, yeah. I haven't thought about starting a new game the same way since I played that game. Right. You know, and the implications of that and like how much can I really undo what I did in a previous run? Yeah. And what does it say about someone who needs to do all parts of a game even if it's not a route they want to take right um i think about that all the time yeah. uh and based on what you're saying with soma I, I definitely that's been on my radar for a while i definitely want to check it out and maybe we could talk about that more in depth to a spoiler episode yeah um, i would love I to replay it. that game yeah um and just kind of experience that again maybe i i imagine out there somewhere there's like a probably a good let's play of it like if you're not a horror game person i personally am very okay with um, the idea of like watching the entire game as a let's play generally if i do that i will also purchase the game just to uh, like support the developers yeah. that's that's how i justify that in my head at least um that's a good I, idea i imagine probably somewhere out there there's a good let's play of soma uh, if i find one actually maybe i'll go looking for one because that seems like something that i would like to spend some time doing just like playing switch yeah. and watching a soma let's play again but anyway <laughs> that game is absolutely incredible i would love to talk more in depth about it um thematically and in, in like a deeper spoiler sense uh if you want to play it at some point um but if you are looking for a scary game that will fuck with your brain forever and make all other scary games seem lesser play soma play soma or yuminiki or yuminiki and that will conclude our scary game segment you made it through the haunted you made forest it through the haunted forest <laughs> <laughs> Please exit um, through the gift shop. Uh, yeah, I think the rest of the episode will just be normal, but friends. <laughs> it's just a normal episode. Just a normal episode. Uh, uh-huh. But f- sincerely, friends, I hope you all have an incredible Halloween. Yes. And I hope it's a blast. I hope your costume is rad as hell. I'm sure yes. it is. And if you want to get scared, get scared. Live yeah. a little. Thus concludes 
the audio log for week three of our research notes. Week five, the pigmen have rallied together. <laughs> they have formed their own government. It's actually they... pretty sick. <laughs> they oink at the moon. Of course. Yes, and. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's a good. Uh, once your once your support of my bit has devolved into that, we can move on to the next the next chapter. We're out yeah. of the haunted woods. Goodbye. Welcome back to the podcast. Okay, Where I you liked at? that. Don't, don't don't doubt it. That was good. Uh, so last night. I had a lot of wine and played Super Mario Party for the Nintendo Switch with a bunch of my friends. And let da, me tell da, you, da, da, da. sorry, it was a fucking nightmare in the, oh. best, in the best way. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> in the best Either way. Either way, I'm down to hear about this experience. Yes. Okay. Super Mario Party. You have played it. I have played it. Yeah. I would like to go a little bit more in depth. How many of the Mario Party games have you played and enjoyed? Oh, wow. That second part is crucial. <laughs> I have played... I played and owned one through five. Mm-hmm. So that gets you into GameCube, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say that I enjoyed one, two, and four. Mm-hmm. One, one is hard to go back to because you have to do the like rotate the joystick with your palm and then you get stigmata. Yep. Um, so unless you want stigmata, I would avoid Mario Party 1. I never thought I'd say that. Um, Mario Party 2 is probably the best one, I would say. Um, that's the one where all the mm. boards were different, like genres of, of movies. So there was like a Western board, a fantasy board. Yeah. Three was really something about three was just strange. And then four felt like a nice, uh, you know, return to form. Everything after four was kind of strange. And then like the last few, like I always thought people knocked Mario party too much, but then I played like six or seven and I was like, this is just bad. This yeah. is like a nightmare. Like, yeah. well, they continued to layer mechanics onto the game and like remove it from what originally made it fun which is just like very 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 easy game board mechanics with weird items and then fun mini games and once you start like i don't know hot gluing donkey tails onto that poster it's like okay this is this is a eldritch horror now it it got to the point where you didn't have turns anymore everyone was just in one big right yeah railroad cart together yeah very confusing it was yeah so, um, so yeah. I've played five and a half of them, I guess, and I've mm-hmm. enjoyed three of them. Yeah. Uh, I grew up like really only playing three. That was just like the one that my cousins had at their house whenever I went That's to visit them. That's the rarest one. It's actually worth a lot. Is it really? Yeah. It's worth, you could sell it for like 70 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let them know. Anyway, that game I love, like love, love, love. That is, yeah. I have gone back and played most of them, I think. I, I couldn't tell you what numbers I played, but I played uh, at least one or two of them for the Wii. I played the one for the Wii U. Um, I played uh, some of the GameCube ones. Three was the only one that I like truly, truly loved. Um, but like we were just saying, it really got off the rails uh, at a certain point. And Super Mario Party gets rid of the numbers feels like they are trying to say this is like a reset of this franchise for Um, sure this is us getting back to what made mario party fun in one two and three in that era do you believe that they achieved that yeah i think so i I think that 
it's hard to really judge Mario Party because like it is what it is. I mean, I've I had fun with it back in its heyday. Yeah. Um, but it is like a fun party game, you know, that everyone can jump in on. And like it's important to have that, right? I think that has an equally strong place as a game like Dark Souls does, where like they occupy very different places in like the atmosphere and you need both. Right. I think that they got bad because they got bad at doing that. Like they were just bad. Right. Like it, it went from being like comfort food to like eating tar. It was like this sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah, overall, I think that this one definitely captures what was fun about the early ones. I think that people might be a little bit hit or miss with it because it doesn't really reinvent anything. It, it's not like I feel like every other first party Switch game has been like a landmark for that respective series. Mm. Like yeah. Mario Kart, even like I think oh, that was a port from the Wii U, but I feel like that Mario Kart is like the definitive Mario Kart. Yeah, agree. And then you know every other game like Mario Odyssey and and Zelda and not everything like that. So this is not like Mario Party 2018 like re- revolutionized game. It's really just like a good Mario Party. Yeah, it's just um, like a very back to basic stripped down Mario Party. I actually now that you mentioned <laughs> that, I almost wish that Super Mario Party implied that it was like a best of, you know, like yeah, let's just yeah. take the best mini games and the best boards from all the previous games and throw them under one roof, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, that could have been interesting. But Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I I didn't buy it myself because I knew a really good friend of mine had pre-ordered it. Yeah. And I was like, I know we're going to play it together and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, and that's what we've done. I've now played that game almost every time I've been over their house mm-hmm. and it's a blast. I mean, it's just, it's just a fun time. Yeah. Um, it feels shorter. I feel like, uh, it used to be like, you could change how many turns you're playing in a match. Uh, the default now is 10. So that's like a half hour game, I want to say. Yeah, like they they say minutes. in the game that that takes an hour. It definitely does not. It, definitely it does not. Takes. Unless you like read every toad tip. Where <laughs> 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 he's like the oddly complex for the situation. Right. Yeah. I always have a in joke that whenever you click toad tips, he teaches you how to like discreetly launder money. It's like there are three <laughs> steps. There's placement integration and you got to be on the move constantly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was my thirst. Once you're thought. on the lamb, here's how you stay on the lamb. <laughs> the Connect changes the price of stars weekly, all right? So I'm turning into Tarantino somehow. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to launder money because it's my, it's my party, all right? I'm not going to tell you what to do. You have to figure it out. You're ask Toad, and you can ask Toad, and he can tell you. Was that, that, was, that was nothing. That was great. No, that was Quentin Tarantino okay. talking to someone playing Mario Party. <laughs> playing Mario Party, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually just like that that in my brain just painted a very vivid picture of you press toad tips but toad is a, a big mobster now like he's too important and busy to show up so he sends his wingman his right hand yeah. man who is quentin tarantino yeah he's like you, you, wait you think you can talk to toad all right because i'm shutting your butt down all right because you're not gonna talk to toad right now because he's busy all right you want to talk to toad do you know how many movies i've made all right, no, I'm not gonna answer it. No, I'm not gonna answer it because you can't talk to Toad right now because he's busy. <laughs> then Tar- go back to your party and and have fun, and have fun with your party. Tarantino tips. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel tired suddenly. I had nothing left in that. Yeah, you really went all out on that. That was. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah, I've only seen like one interview where he like lost his cool, and that's entirely what I'm basing that impression on. <laughs> Where someone's like, why are your movies so violent? He's like, because they're violent. I'm not going to answer it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) 
Yeah, so Mario Party <laughs> is uh it's lovely. I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed playing it. It did it did feel like the most like classic bear Mario Party experience that you could get. The I will say um the one mechanic that I am like iffy on that they added in this game is the ally system. I love the ally system. Do you but tell okay. me why you don't like so, it? Basically, around every single game board, uh there there are you know, there's the classic like land on a blue space, get a bunch of coins, land on a red space, lose a bunch of coins. There's the item blocks, whatever. There's a new one that's like a little happy face and a plus next to it. And if you land on that, it lets you randomly acquire maybe uh, one of the other Mario characters who then follows you around. So every time you roll your dice block, you also get an additional roll from them. That's like, I think one through three, they can add on to whatever and you, you can have. also use their dice. Right. So that's, that's the other yeah. big mechanic in this game is that each character has their own specific dice block that they can use. So for example, Rosalina's two of the sides are plus two coins. The next side is like a one. The next two sides are two, and then I don't know what number I'm at, but I think the next one is eight. So it's like, okay, so you're either going to get coins, you're going to roll a two, or maybe sometimes you'll get an eight. And some of them have worse effects, and some of them, I think Daisy's is like all threes and fours. So it's like, you're I was about to say the, the flavor text for Daisy's dice is my favorite thing in the game. It oh, says, yeah, it's really it says, good. This, this is a good dice to roll if you want to get a three or maybe a four. <laughs> I also, as soon as I read that, is this like the the yeah. Honda Civic of uh, <laughs> of, of the dice? You know what's funny though? I got Daisy as one of my allies, and that was the only block I used for the rest of the game. Like it was just the most advantageous block to use. It's great, but anyway, the ally system I find to be uh, both a blessing and a curse because it is either like Mario Party. Let's be real, is a game of chance. There is almost sure. no skill that goes into like how that happens you know you can get better at the mini games but that just gets you more coins that doesn't make your rolls any better you know i find that the ally system can sometimes wildly push the game in certain people's favor the first game that i played it was a 10 turn game and one of the people that i was playing with got three allies before anyone yep. else had any and was just yep. like cruising around the board getting stars lapping us over and over and over again not to mention there are a lot of mini games where having allies severely boost your chance of winning yes because the allies come in to the yeah. mini games with you occasionally i love it because i love that kind of chaos yeah no it's uh, great that's what i Mario usually about. play as bowser and the first time i played i got every ally who was green so i just had this giant green team i had I luigi i had hammer brothers i had koopa yoshi we were just the green team oh if you if you're bowser and you get bowser jr as an ally he goes dad when he comes up <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Talk about mob boss. My favorite thing too is if you play as Bowser and you land on a bad luck space, Kamek is like, oh, Lord oh, Bowser, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm just doing my job here. Come yeah. on, give me some slack. Don't look at me like that, Bowser. I don't know what that voice was. I'm all over the place today. That's good. Kamek, I kind of imagine more as my friends and I have a running theory that it's Alton Brown in disguise or Alton Brown <laughs> in reality, but very Alton Brown. Kind okay. of like a chopped like a panel of chopped judges uh -huh. is sort of how I imagine Mario Party is run. Yeah. Yeah. Do you buy, what were we even talking about? Are oh, we talking about the ally system? But yeah. besides that, do you buy the idea that the Mario Party games and let's say Mario Tennis and Kart uh, and whatever all take place long after all of the Mario adventures? 
Uh, then like the Mario timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So just for in case the listeners like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Uh, there is like a, a fan theory that I think is like tongue in cheek, but maybe there's some reality to it. But it's a timeline of like every Mario game put together. And mm-hmm. the idea, if I'm if memory serves, is that at one point they get so wealthy that they live out the rest of their existence just like racing go karts, yep. having weird Illuminati parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can add my two cents to this timeline, yeah, please, I would say that the Mario parties, much like the Fool in Tarot, mark the beginning and the end of the journey. Oh. I think that they get so wealthy and so bored with reality, they start playing these games. And the magic and this sort of like alchemy involved in Mario Party gets to the point where they accidentally reset time. Mm. So then they're back to basics, uh, which is why you kind of have like the first Mario. He's in this strange land where there's just like floating blocks. Those were the dice that are kind of frozen in time from when the party reset reality. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's kind of I mean, it seems obvious, but sort of where I'm at. (laughs) So. So you're saying that all of the breakable blocks and all the question blocks are actually die from previous games from previous millennia and generations of playing Mario Party that have all been used to build the Mushroom Kingdom. So the the Mushroom Kingdom is built upon the ashes of olden Mario Party games and then also leads to more Mario Party games. Yeah, it's so like it's a, like a it's like a four dimension. So the Mushroom Kingdom is like a four dimensional experiential hell in a there's way. A certain, <laughs> there's a certain point in the timeline where they don't know if they're playing a game or not. Right. <laughs> like the yeah. the let's play a game because we're so wealthy bleeds. And I feel like that's where new Super Mario Brothers U comes in where they're like, where am I? What is happening? <laughs> we need to reset. Yeah. Get rid of the numbers. It's super we keep now. talking about resetting time. I've noticed it seems to be a recurring theme. Of course, like, of course, of course, that's what's happening. I, I hope that when I when I die and when I'm at the pearly gates, Toad and Toadette and Kamek are there and they're like, well, you landed on the most bad luck spaces. So here's a star. <laughs> <laughs> you had the most events happen to you. Here's a star. Yeah. <laughs> there is. So just for some context, like at the end of a Mario Party game, they give out the awards. So it's whoever had mm-hmm. the most coins whoever won the most mini games and then it's just random and it could be as something like you landed on the most bad luck spaces or you know so it's like how'd you win i had the worst luck yeah it's wild uh it's fun though i i would recommend it if you want a new mario party that is playable (laughs) (laughs) i just don't think i i feel like people are a little bit let down by if they're expecting Nintendo to like have a slam dunk here. You yeah. Know? It's a little small. Oh yeah. It it definitely is. Uh, actually my favorite map that we played, so we did three of the uh three yeah. of the boards. Uh my favorite one was the the smallest one that existed and was just like almost a straight up loop. It's just like you climb some stairs up to a person where like you can buy one or two stars. Uh, but oh, the, is that the Kamek level where he changes the price of? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, it's the, like the Golden City. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a cool level. Yeah, uh, it's very small. It's very contained, but you always know where the star is, and it just makes the game like palatable, not palatable, better than palatable, even tasty, shall we say? <laughs> um, it's good. It's it's. I, I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, and all the levels are good. They're just, there's only four of them, I think. Unless you can unlock more, but I think there's only four. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I feel like you should be able to unlock more, but I don't know about that. But it just feels a little bit like 
it's great because there's a lot of characters this time. You can yeah. play as Hammer Brothers. They're and there here. are unlockable characters. Yeah, like Dry Bones. Yeah. What's interesting... <laughs> <laughs> why why are you just saying dry bones is that funny he's one of them i think it's diddy it's diddy kong yeah. dry bones birdo uh, right i think is one of them birdo i think that's and maybe donkey kong oh yeah it's donkey kong uh-huh there he is. <laughs> i wonder like say nintendo did a radical reinvention of that game and it really was like you know this is to the old Mario Party games as Breath of the Wild is to Skyward Sword. Like, what, what, what would you change? What, what do you think oh, that wow. game would be? I don't, that's the thing. I don't really know. I mean, I think that this definitely feels like the best effort to like live in the in the past success of the earlier ones. Yeah, this feels like a nice return to form. Um, if they wanted to like drastically reinvent the game. I guess you would have to boil it down like what is Mario Party as a series always been trying to do? And it's a party game, right? Yeah. I wonder if there's a way to change up the board game structure a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh and that would just involve making a new board game, which I don't know if I could do on the spot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if they could do uh that might maybe that's it though. Maybe they just throw a Mario skin onto really successful board games. Like there suddenly we're playing Mario Cosmic Encounter or uh-huh. Mario Risk. Um, Mario Risk. There's a really good the new War board of the game. Mushroom Kingdom. Ever hear the board game Roots? No. I think it just came out. My, I have some friends who are really into board games and I looked at it at their house. We were going to play, but it got a bit late in the night. But yeah. um, it's like Redwall forest creature fantasy. Mm-hmm. So there, you could play as like. Uh, raccoon thieves or like noble birds the art is like really beautiful kind of like uh it was described to me as like bill watterson-esque so Mm. it's kind of like very pretty watercolors and it looks rad um so maybe there's a way to like double down on mario party being like a cool board game and actually make it a board game you know um rather than kind of this like pseudo board game and that's the i feel like this one came pretty close to doing something really cool with the custom dice um, yeah. Actually, that's a really neat mechanic, especially like Bowser's dice. The one, the first three sides are negative three coins and a one, and then right. the other side is eight, nine, and ten. So it's like, okay, I have a fifty-fifty shot of getting a really good roll or a really yeah. bad roll. Right. Um, the problem is the board doesn't really match up. Like how much you can strategize with the dice never really is worth it, depending yeah. on what. Like your main like decision every turn is like well i just don't want to land on the bad space and i want to get to the star when i can those are like the two main things going on so like that's kind of what limits it in terms of like how engaging it can be yeah um but as a game just to have on in the background while you're hanging out it's perfect yeah um it's fun yeah i liked it a lot i think like i'm I'm thinking about you know you just said mario kart 8 deluxe is the definitive version of mario kart I wonder yeah. if the definitive version of Mario Party really is just like, here's everything. You know, here's like 300 mini games instead of however many are in there currently. Well, you know? I was actually just thinking, because I'm like, maybe rather than changing up the board game structure, you change up what the mini games are. Because that's where, that's where the series really lost some steam uh, after four. Yeah. I remember there was a mini game and. <laughs> There was a mini game in Mario Party 5 that was, it was, it just said point blank, bring a flower back to life with your mind. 
and and it was just tap a repeatedly but it was so hard to do because i could not i mean i couldn't even say it without laughing play seeing wario and waluigi and like yoshi like telekinetically like zap a flower back to life and i'm like this is so professor exit yeah this is so weird i'm just mashing a but that's it yeah um I think there's a way to maybe rather than trying just to do like as many mini games as possible to like maybe have like, I don't know, a handful of, of things that are like a bit more thought out mm. um, that that are more engaging. Yeah. Um, although I have to say this game, the mini games are pretty solid. They make use of the rumble feature, which I haven't seen anyone do in yeah. a long time, which yeah, is actually just to fill in a blank that uh, switch has a thing called HD rumble, which whatever, but marketing term, but it, it basically like the, the, the demo that they always say is if you uh, shake the, the joy con back and forth, you'll be able to tell how many like fake invisible, like metal balls are inside the joy con. And that's just like how precise it is. You can, you can feel individual objects, quote unquote, inside the joy con. And this game uses it to great effect in a lot of the, in a lot of the mini games. There's one where you're fishing and there's a bunch of spots where you can fish for a thing and you just have to go around and find the strongest rumble yeah and, and that's where the the biggest fish is which is a cool idea which is basically like a dragon like it's not even yeah it ends up being yeah. a dragon yeah which is um, awesome my favorite mini game is cooking steak uh yes. I like that one a lot uh it's like a cube of steak and you have to use again i haven't wanted to use motion control since 2007 yeah uh but it's fun uh the joy con works well ironically this feels like this should have been the wii mario party yeah like, definitely it's yeah, interesting because like it that is what makes it so accessible right like this game i would feel better about showing to people that don't play video games normally than like the wii u version of mario party oh yeah because no, the joy cons is... are just so accessible and all the games are just so easy to wrap your head around immediately yeah and like my friend who who has this on his switch he didn't have nintendo growing up so like he's just over the moon that he can oh yeah finally have. so like if this is your first Mario Party experience, you're going to have a blast. Yeah, totally. And if you've missed the series, you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And if you're expecting a step forward, you might be a little bit let down, but it's unclear as we've kind of re- discussed here what that next step would even be. Yeah. Um, we, we'll see. Can I float an idea by you that just popped into my head? Please. What if what if the mini games were other Nintendo games? So like <laughs> you so, so it's every, like, oh, I landed okay. on this spot and now it's like we have to do a Mario Kart race. Mm. Oh, interesting. This this creates a reality, though, where every year Nintendo makes another Mario Party and that's it. And every other game is in the Mario Party. So I'm like, into that. That's what they, Nintendo Online should have been. <laughs> Christ, don't even say it. Don't will that into existence. This is my that kind of was the case, though, with WarioWare. WarioWare had like, yeah, weird. Uh, there was that. Um, do with like a uh electric helmet who's really into video games oh i forgot yeah. all the hosts names in warrior wear you know what i'm talking about i was gonna i was gonna say his name is zap but i think that's the leader of the bk kids from burger king <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> wow um yes that, that warrior wear character there's no i have nothing for bk kids i i I have the first time you brought up something weird that I didn't have like any fodder for. Yeah. The leader of the BK kids. Steven's eyes rolled to the back of his head and he just shut down as soon as I said that. <laughs> it sounds like a, a like a fallout faction I would immediately ignore. <laughs> it's like I don't want to deal with this. 
yeah. like the kings and uh actually the kings were kind of interesting do you the, ever uh in new vegas do you see them oh no no i didn't in new vegas there was a gang that like all worshipped elvis and they were called the kings oh hell yeah they were like all elvis impersonators basically that's really good yeah i feel like the bk kids would be like um like bethesda trying to retell the story of peter pan inside fallout somehow oh you know? yeah it would You'd be like because well, there was that the lost boys yeah, there was that cave in Fallout 3, uh, Little Lamplight, that was like a society run by kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they would go to Big Town when they grew up. Mm -hmm. um, that's the BK yeah, kids. So, yeah, those are the BK kids. That's, that's where they ended up. You want a hamburger? You gotta prove yourself. There's a hideout with eight super mutants in it. I'm Zap. I run things here. <laughs> wow. What were we even yeah. talking about? I don't know. Should we should we take a break? <laughs> Let's take a break. I, I gotta vomit. Super Mario Party for the Nintendo Switch. Get it if you like Mario Party or think you might like Mario Party. It's fun. Uh, it's a great game if you want to roll a three or maybe a four or maybe even a four. All right. All right. See you later. Break. Do you want to take us in with your classic Brendan? Brend I do. Brendan, we're back. <laughs> yes. As requested, are. as requested by you, we yes. have come back. Um, you have cryptically told me that you mm -hmm. are back into Octopath Traveler and that you not only want to talk about our favorite recent square entry, Octopath Traveler, but you also want to talk about JRPGs in general. I am I so excited by this because you have famously been less into JRPGs than me. Yes. And, I, and I'm happy to hear your hot takes all around. Yes, my hot take is that I have been radicalized and now I am a fan of JRPGs. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened, but like, this is very serious. I woke up the other day and I was like, I really want to play a JRPG. That's what I thought. Like, those were the words that went through my head. Yeah. So I picked up Octopath again because I just, I have it already and I started playing it. And uh, I, I am just dipping back into it, but now... I'm on the hunt for like what's next, like what what mm. is going to be the JRPG that I get into? Is it going to be something new that is coming down the pipeline, or uh, is it going to be something that I already own but like didn't really give the time to? So I have uh, Final Fantasy X and X two on PS4. Uh. I have Persona Five, which I only played up through the first dungeon. Oh wow, that game got... I'm absolutely going to play in the winter. Yeah. I think that's going to be like a winter like. That's a good winter game. Yeah. It it is like by default 80 hours. That's like a normal run of it. Yeah. Um, I loved Persona 5. I would love to talk about that with you yes. if you want to revisit it. But well, the thing is, I played saying, a lot of Persona 4 and really loved it. Um, yeah. And then picked up 5 and also really loved it, but just other things happened around the same time. So I just. No, it's, that game's an investment. I, I got that game at. It, <laughs> I had a similar thought where like. I woke up one day and I was like, man, I really want to play a JRPG. I kind of missed uh, that what I got from the older Final Fantasies, because as I said, I didn't play 13 or 15. So I can't really say like if I had a falling off, but for whatever reason, I just stopped really like paying that much attention to that franchise. Yeah. And nothing about 15 really looked at that up my alley, to be completely honest. I was kind of like not put off by it, but I was like, eh, I don't really know if that's like what I'm looking for. Um, but Persona 5 captured, even though it's a very different vibe, it captured that kind of experience that I wanted from yeah. a Final Fantasy. And I just like, I just, <laughs> I think I beat Persona 5 in like a couple weeks. Mm. And that just shows you like Which how is much a lot for, yeah, I was that's, playing that's it at that game. time. Yeah. So, but I totally get that feeling. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because I feel like it's an extension of what we've talked about on this podcast previously, which is like the games that we love that are detached from reality. Yeah. Are like the ones that we're seeking out at the moment. And, you know, we don't have to get into it, but like the current climate of the world is rough at the moment. And like you and I are both people who work, you know, constantly for a living and we don't have that much time to play games. So when I turn on a game and it is like I am just fucking annihilating, you know, like hordes of things. That's that's not the experience that I always want. You know what I mean? I, I want something that's like kind of unabashedly optimistic and I don't know, something that removes me from <laughs> where we live currently, you know? Yeah, I get that. I think I think it really does depend on the game, though, um, in terms of what kind of narrative catharsis you're getting out of it. I think something like Octopath is for sure detached. I mean, yeah. we've talked about how all over the place that game's writing is. And that's kind of what I like about it is like. Yeah randomly you'll be like oh this is a great story then you're like this is this is the second chapter of this person's story but like ophelia's second chapter i don't know why it's in the game i'm just gonna say that mm, i haven't gotten to it yet it's, it's a blast like i love that roll the dice I'm like is this gonna be a good chapter we'll find out i know yeah. there's gonna be a boss right and in that game at least the combat is so fun yeah and, and it's and just so like interesting that it's a beautiful like, production and yeah, yeah it's it that's a game where like like you said the detachment from reality is sort of the escape of it yeah you know, like persona 5 oddly enough does kind of hit close to home with a lot of like current mm. like our current climate yeah you're right i mean that whole game is about like how do you it's interesting because i think persona 4 is all about battling or actually not battling but accepting your other self right mm. like kind of acknowledging a part of yourself that you're repressing and yeah. using that as a superpower in a way. I love that. Yeah. I really like that theme of kind of self-acceptance, self, self-celebrating in a way. Whereas Persona 5 is about finding the source of, you know, conflict with a, with a inherently like evil person. And how do yeah. you redeem them? Like, how do yeah. you fight? How do you fight the source of their evil and, and take that away? Yeah. It's, and, it's like, uh, uh, leaders who, who have become corrupted in some way and, and their inevitable reckoning. Right. Yeah. It's so I actually game is exploring. I kind of found a weird catharsis in persona five of like it, it directly reminded me of some stuff happening right now. And I enjoyed being able to do something about it. Not right, that like you yeah. can't in real life, but I, I feel like, I mean, God, the final boss of persona five is like a very awful politician that has an inexplicable following. So like, woof mm. like it is yeah. too close to home you know um but the fact that like i can summon demons to fight someone like that it, i don't know i mean it's not as silly as that i just think that in an rpg formula you can enjoy it if it is just like total escape it, but it also has the capability of telling a very hard-hitting story that can remind you of your current reality yeah um, but addresses it in a cathartic way that makes sense it does make sense yeah it's interesting yeah, yeah. now that you mentioned that it makes me wonder what I'm looking for because I, I do really want to play Persona 5 right now. That's like a game that I continue to think about. But I am also standing at the outer bounds of like a Final Fantasy game or like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is on the Switch, which I would love to like be able to bring with me. Something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Persona is a weird balance of like you have those really kind of corny RPG moments. Yeah. And then you have these like really real haunting moments yeah um that's what i really loved about it that's what's weird uh, about octopath though right like I, I, yeah. so I was showing that game to some of my friends this morning because uh, they hadn't seen it and they're like big jrpg persona fans yeah i was showing them the game and they were like oh wow this is so nice like all the music is really great i was like i was doing um tress's story 
So it was like just like very bubbly and fun and whatever. Like yeah, her, yeah. her whole vibe is just like, I'm a merchant. I want to be the best merchant. I just want to see the land and like very classic trope there. But then I immediately went to Primrose's story and like we've talked about this before, but Primrose's story <laughs> is Kill Bill. Like it yeah. is dealing with human <laughs> trafficking and like really dark yeah. revenge kind of aesthetic yeah. um, and like is that a healthy way of dealing with your own trauma or not those are heavy themes that are explored in between i just want to be a really good merchant and i'm a warrior and i fight for honor like you know it's like yeah. sandwiched between classic tropes is this like horrific thing for sure i, I think uh to kind of focus my thoughts a bit because I, I have a lot to say about this is like my favorite topic to talk about um, yeah <laughs> but when i compare western rpgs to jrpgs mm. at least the ones i've played i feel like a lot of western rpgs lately tend to have very customizable characters um and there's usually a focus on player choice and player freedom yeah so it's like it kind of rooted in tabletop where it's like what character do you want to be and i love that I and mean, i love making my own character yeah um you know some games more than others a game like a bethesda game lets you do whatever you want whereas a mass effect game you know you have some freedom but it, it's sort of along the constraints of the story yeah. or the construct of the story jrpgs tend to be fairly uh i guess the term would be railroaded but like i don't really mind that because i often like having that kind of concrete story you know yeah i mean there's there's room to navigate within the player character of uh you know the main character in in persona five or four um and there are some big choices you can make that will drastically change the ending but overall you're along the ride for a story and i think kind of broadly speaking playing a game that kind of takes your hand and guides you through a story whether it's a total escape uh detached kind of fantasy or if it's a we're gonna fucking battle the inner demons of a psychopath politician take my hand and guide me there i love that like i yeah. love i love being led along with that story and that's why i think i love jrpg so much is because like it has that story that sometimes i feel like in western games uh isn't quite as strongly delivered if that makes sense yeah um, i i, I kind of oddly have making connections to like a a uncharted game where like it's not open worlds or like player choice it's just like a linear story and i think for some reason the term linear has become a negative term but like if that's how the game is built if that's how the story is written that's amazing i love that i really like that kind of experience i also mm -hmm. like in a very open it's up to me experience but you need both and i think sometimes you wake up one day and you want one or the other um yeah and that's what it sounds like you're experiencing right now yeah. Oh, wow. that makes sense. I know I tried to. No, no, that was a very uh, eloquent way of basically just telling me exactly what I'm I'm feeling, but couldn't articulate. That that was amazing. <laughs> I hope I redeemed myself from when I was screaming as Tarantino earlier. So get uh, <laughs> two sides of the Stephen coin, I guess. Yeah. No, I th I think you're I think you're spot on. I think um I mean I I just came from playing you know Destiny a lot where like there are a couple things that you can do every time you load in but it's always the same thing and you always know what it's going to be um and then also playing spider-man which is like okay you're doing this main story and then if you ever want to take a break you can do that yeah um, and then also assassin's creed odyssey which is just like a giant sprawling thing yeah which is completely open you know for the most part 
Uh, and I think looking back at those three things, like it almost seems natural. The next thing I would want after that is like, I want to sit down and I want to go into the options and press the thing that's that progresses through all of the dialogue automatically. So I don't have to press X every single time and just yeah. let the story unfold in front of me. And I think what's beautiful about games like Persona Maybe um, I should read a book. Yeah, re- <laughs> read a hey, fucking book. Podcast random. canceled. Let's go to the library. <laughs> but that's what I love about Persona because, like, it, mm-hmm. again, the story is linear. But when you have okay, you have to beat this palace in two weeks. Yeah, those two weeks are up to you. Yeah, it's kind of like Spider Man, where it's like, okay, I have to do this next mission, but like, what I do in between now and then is up to me. Yeah, I think that's like. That's a really cool thing to do where you don't feel like it's railroaded. Similarly, that happens in a game like Final Fantasy VII, where you leave Midgar and suddenly the world map is open to you. Yeah. You have your objective of like, we got to find Sephiroth, but you could swing by Fort Condor and, uh, and do that whole thing. I won't get mm-hmm. into it because you have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't. But I think you Someone can. Someone out there does. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Someone out there gets me, Brendan, unlike you. <laughs> yeah, it's not me tell you that much but i think uh, this is a different point from what i was discussing earlier but i think that even in a linear story uh, a successful rpg be it western or jrpg gives you a little bit of wiggle room that way you feel like you're role playing you know Mm -hmm. even if you're stuck as Geralt or cloud you can uh you can navigate through that Mm -hmm. although the funniest the funniest version of like uh, role playing choice when I'm really just stuck to being one character is in Final Fantasy VIII with Squall. Famously, there's a scene where you're at like a party in the in the academy, and uh, you're given two dialogue options. One is an ellipsis dot dot dot. Okay. And the other is whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so in this moment, Brendan, what Squall are you? Are you nothing or whatever? <laughs> hmm. I think I'm whatever. I think I'm also whatever. Yeah. Whatever to me is Squall pretending he doesn't care, but he does. Ellipsis is like actually not caring. Yeah, I agree. If you're you're saying whatever, you're at least putting in effort. Yeah. Yeah. You're not saying nothing. Right. You're trying to get a point across at least. Right. Exactly. I would love how I feel like we can have fun with deciding what JRPG you play next. Yeah. Do you want this to be your choice or do you want to like leave this up to the to the fates in some way? Do you want to roll a dice? Do you want to that might be fun to kind of bounce off Mario Party? Yeah, I would love I would love to roll Daisy's dice. <laughs> Get a well, three, you're playing maybe Persona four. three, maybe four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm well, what's interesting is like I I know that there's a lot on the horizon for Switch. Like I, yeah. I know I would like it to be on the Switch, which I know limits me greatly because there's not much yet. Um, but we know that there's a lot coming, right? Like almost right. every Final Fantasy game is coming to Switch yeah. soon, which is unreal. Yeah. Uh, Xenoblade is already out. There's a Shin Megami Tensei game that's coming out there, which I've never played any of those. and I have no idea what they are, but everybody says like, if you like Persona, you like Shin Megami Tensei. So yeah, cool. roughly speaking, I mean, that's a pretty huge series. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint like what you would like about it. Yeah. Um, the shared thing is that you... Uh, you fight alongside the personas that you use in Persona. So like, oh, you, weird. Um, usually the games are like you can go down a lawful path or a chaotic path, and that limits you to who you can use in your party, basically. Yeah. And what's cool about the series is that sometimes it's like, even though the 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 similar demons and and summons keep popping up, it's always a very different like setting. 
Um, so sometimes it could be like a cyberpunk kind of future. Mm. Sometimes it's like a noir detective story. Um, I'm into that. Yeah, actually, Persona famously was a spinoff of of SMT. So there was an SMT game that took place in a high school, uh. and that sold really well. So that led to the first Persona, um, and then the rest is history. Um, yeah, interesting. I yeah. didn't know that they were actually related in that way. I thought that they were just yeah. both by Atlas. I think the first they because it used to be Shin Megami Tensei Persona, but they dropped that. I think in three mm. three was the first persona game that kind of feels like what we associate with persona now yeah um no one really talks about one that much and two is like a lot darker um, yeah yeah I've, I've heard people talk uh, about two. i've never played one or two i played a, i played like a pretty good amount of three kind of tapped out um yeah. but i love four and five i um, do have three uh on my shield so i could play it three is three I struggle with three. I really like a lot of elements of it. You you can tell that that's where it started. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. It's the first game that kind of had the daily schedule that four and five are known for. Um, yeah. It's the first game that had S links. So like some of the S links are beautiful. Like there's one where you meet this older couple that owns a bookstore and they recently lost their son. And like, mm. it's just, it's just beautiful. Three also worth noting is the only persona game where you can play as a woman. Oh, in, yes. In the yeah. PSP port of it. Which is what I have. Oh, that's great. You should actually do that because I know a lot of people really like that option because she, well, first of all, it's the only game that lets you do that. Mm-hmm. And two, she has S-Links with everyone. So you get to know certain characters you don't get to know as a oh. as a as the male protagonist. Why did they um, stop doing that, I wonder? I don't know. I honestly think the series should should utilize that again. I think that that would be... Uh, uh, that's sort of the elephant in the room with the series is that you can't do that you know yeah. that it still kind of feels like it still suffers from being a little male gazy at times yeah um, it's gotten better since three but like you know baby steps not really it's interesting much. too <laughs> we don't have to get too into it but like it's yeah. also interesting that in five at least of what i've played of five it is both uh engaging in and also condemning the male gaze aspect of things you know yeah I mean? yeah it definitely does that it's like this person's evil for doing this but also check yeah, out all these character designs yeah. the next scene where you like hey man check this out you know yeah uh yeah it's that's a that's obviously a bigger conversation too but it is it is at least being addressed in five um yeah. i would love for you to play five more because you have yet to recruit some of my favorite characters in the game yeah um, i've only seen uh Ryuji and they're so cool uh i <laughs> the ryuji archetype of like your shitty friend that you didn't ask for i have like a weird place in my heart for yeah he's the best yeah i, love I, I love really love makoto she's like my favorite character in that game yeah um, so i watched um i was just upstate with some of my friends uh and they were playing persona 5 uh and they were i think like 40 or 50 hours in through their second playthrough of it and I met a couple characters that I hadn't seen yet, and I was like, man, this is really making me want to dive in. I would I say know, maybe, maybe I just don't wait for winter. Maybe I just play Persona 5 now. <laughs> it seems like we're just like dancing around the idea of me playing Persona 5. I will 5. say that the the second palace is a little bit of a slug. Um, that's probably the weakest like arc of the game. Mm. Um, but the next palace, you get Makoto, who's I think an awesome. She's the only character who immediately knows what's happening. Everyone else goes like, "Where am I?" for forty minutes, and she's yeah. just like, "Okay, I got it." I'm like, "Thank Christ!" Yeah. Uh, I do then, love the the hacker girl. Um, she's because, great because 
just because aesthetically she is an inkling but human she is just <laughs> holy shit yeah you're right up an inkling it is amazing her, as soon as i saw her on the screen i was like holy shit that's splatoon and then i realized she was the hacker girl she's a her story is really beautiful um mm, cool her and uh sojuro your like guardian have a yeah. really cool story um oh cool yeah so i would say that after if you can get through palace 2 which is it's a cool temple it's a, it's a museum uh, not to spoil it too much, but it's fine. I just like I'm not crazy about the character you get from that or the story in that moment. Um, it's also hard because yeah. the first palace feels like that. That really sums up the game. You know, like if the game was like a long demo, you would get that palace, right? Mm, yeah. And there's so much builds up with that first antagonist. Where it's just so pleasing to this ruin that dude. But then the palace after the second one, you get Makoto, and then the palace after that is my favorite. Uh, I'll say that much. Cool. Um, so if you don't want to play the whole thing, at least get to Palace Four because I think that's one of the more like touching and like dramatic parts of the story. Mm. So is that is that our our ruling? Is that I I just start playing Persona Five even though it's not winter yet? That's my vote. Um, but honestly, whatever you want to do, I'm down to talk about. I just yeah. I I feel like Persona Five is one of my that's probably one of my favorite games I've played in a long time, as evidenced by me just like gushing for the past hour. Um, and I really wasn't <laughs> expecting because I didn't really know anything about the series until I picked up five just because I heard amazing things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just I, I like it the same way I like Mass Effect, where I love a game that's focused around like getting to know your teammates more yeah. and having that have a direct effect on gameplay. Yes. Right. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm into. Yeah. Absolutely. Like hanging out, hanging out at a ramen place of Ryuji, and then immediately like hitting demons with a bat, and he's like, "Let's tear him apart!" I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love this. Honestly, like it's weird that I'm the one saying this to you and not the other way around, but I think you would like Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, I, I, I think I, uh, I've been meaning to get it. I, I feel like I was between that or Persona Five, and I went for Persona in that time. Yeah. I'm at a point now where I could definitely hop in the car with my four weird friends and yeah. go on an adventure. Well, that's the thing is like the the you are not going to bond with those dudes and then like have that affect gameplay or or really anything at all. It'll just be for you and your own heart. And that is kind of where that game shines for me is like you, you do me. find yourself getting closer to them and like personally wanting all of them to become their best selves over time oh, um which that. is kind of a nice a nice like second variant of what we're talking about with persona yeah i i, I just i love a game that is kind of character centric in that way i think I, you know what if you want to get back into persona 5 maybe i'll give 15 a shot and we can do that together ah the old steven hilger ultimatum <laughs> yeah <laughs> the old steven hilger ultimatum it is like wild that i haven't played 13 or 15. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds fun. I had a point to make. I totally forgot. Oh, with Final Fantasy 15 with the cast, I haven't played it, obviously, but I know enough about the character archetypes yeah. to uh, make an observation. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, who wrote, who writes Saga and wrote yeah. um, Why Last Man, a bunch of other stuff, he was once quoted when he uh, was working on, well, he still is, um, Paper Girls, great comic series. Mm. He said that if you write for a cast of four, you are either writing the Beatles or the Ninja Turtles. Like those are like, you can't really get oh, that wow. much farther. And like to a T that fits FF 15, like Prompto yeah. is Michelangelo. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Ignis is Leonardo. 
um, the big dude is Raphael, and then uh, the guy who snaps when he wants to cook something is Donatello. It's perfect. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Mind wow. blown. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, our Final Fantasy 15. If you write for a cast of two, you're stuck to uh... Seinfeld and George, or <laughs> ew, <laughs> is that what we are? Emperor Cusco and whatever the guy is. Kronk. Kronk, yeah. Kronk um, and, uh, yeah. I, I got nothing. Don't look yeah. at me like that. Anyway, should we wrap up? Let's wrap up. Cool. Um, I'm going to play a JRPG. I, I don't know what it's going to be yet. It might be Persona 5, but I'm going to make that happen. I'm really excited. I'm going to check out FF15. And also, yeah. just a, uh, a teaser for next episode, I just started Cuphead. Um, cause they yes. just released it for Mac. I have not played a game on my Mac in for the last like 30 years, I think like, mm-hmm. since I was negative three. Yeah. Um, and I just started, I'm really enjoying it. So I'll probably talk about that next time. I, I played, uh, the Spider-Man four DLC, the heist, uh, played all of it mm. in two sittings. Oh, uh, cool. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Would love to talk about it. Um, also Moonlighter. Do you know about Moonlighter? No. What's that? I will give you a very small pitch on Moonlighter. It is an indie game that I played at PAX briefly. Uh, and as soon as I put my, it was one of those games where as soon as I put my hands on it, I was like, this is coming out for Switch. Definitely. They didn't announce it, but I was like, this is definitely going to come out. You've um, had a good track record of pre- pre- uh, predicting that. Oh yeah, it, this looks cool. It is a game where by day you run a shop in like a fantasy setting. And at night you have to go out and like play a Zelda-esque RPG to get things to sell in your shop. I love that. What is it for right now? PS4? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's PS4, PC, and maybe Xbox One. All right. One taken. And Switch on November 5th. You can pre-order it now. And I am absolutely going to because I played it cool. for like five minutes and fell in love and was like, I don't want to play any more of this. And I, I think I'm learning so leave. after after talking about Persona for as long as we just did and, and looking at this game, I really love that double life kind of game. Yeah. Um, like I know that that's like such a archetype for any kind of fantasy or superhero story, but when it's done well, like it is in Spider-Man, like it is in Persona, I just yeah. love that. I really, I really love that, uh, that duality, you know? Yeah. Moonlighter. I'm excited to play it. I'm very yeah. excited to play it. That looks uh, cool. And I didn't know it was coming out that soon, but it's available to pre-order now. So I can't wait to get it and talk cool. about it with you. Shit. Uh, nice. Should we wrap up? Yeah, let's wrap up. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, thanks everyone who listened. We got a couple new reviews on iTunes. Thank you for Did that. It, oh, yeah. sick. Oh, it was left by uh, uh, Sven Hilger. Uh, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian uh, Smigley. Can I cool. tell you something real that sounds fake? Yes. Growing up, I had a friend named Brendan Begley. <laughs> <laughs> was he you, but with like little wings? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why yeah. that was my thirst. First and then, and then he was on my left shoulder. My right shoulder was Brandon. Is he your persona? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. He's he's just Ronald McDonald, basically. <laughs> oh my god! Gangly. I just got I got a really terrifyingly in depth vision of you like ripping off your mask and a clown just erupting behind you, like let's form a contract. <laughs> uh, you, you ever read Astro City? I, ha- I, I, you recommended, excuse me, you recommended it to me a while ago when I bought the first volume, but I haven't read it yet. I'm oh, excited okay. to read it though. Oh, never mind then. I was going to give you an, an aesthetic framework <sighs> so your imagination could create. Bombanada. Bombanada. Anyway, let's, let's uh, actually wrap this up. Thank you to everyone who's writing reviews. It's very cool. Uh, if you like the show, share it with your friends. Uh, that is how the show gets 
bigger and better and more productive. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we also have a Twitter account. It's at Into the Cast if you want to follow along and uh, get any updates about the show. Um, we just retweet weird things that we like. Uh, and I'm probably just going to start retweeting weird video game stuff on there that I see or like stuff that might be interesting. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. And thanks again. I'm just going to echo all of Brendan's thoughts there. Uh, thanks for listening. It means a lot. Um, and what else? What else? What else? What else? That's uh, really Twitter it. accounts. Yeah. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet <laughs> at Brendan Bigley. <laughs> my name is Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Aloha. Aloha. That's a, that's a Terrace House reference, isn't it? Sure is. You're, you're crossing canon here, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Crossing the streams. Crossing the streams. No script at all in the aether. Whoa! There you go. There it is. TWG, the worst garbage dot online.